0: From KUT News and the Texas Tribune, this is The Ticket.
1: We demand our liberty. But this election is not just about what
0: laws we're going to pass.
1: Americans have come back from some pretty tough economic times.
2: We need to stop limiting kids in poor neighborhoods.
1: I declare to you today as a candidate for president of the United States.
0: I'm Ben Philpott. And I'm Jay Root. This week on the show, Jeb Bush finally enters the race. We'll break down his big announcement speech on Stump Interrupted.
2: And while Ben and I are doing our best to keep up with all that's going on in the 2016 campaign, we'll once again get a little help from another reporter covering the campaigns. Julie Mason from the SiriusXM POTUS channel will stop by.
0: But first, Jay, we finally got that presidential announcement that we've been waiting for, an announcement that will give us a better view of what's going to happen in the 2016 GOP primary.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, I am officially running for president of the United States, and we are going to make our country great again.
0: Uh, what, who, who did you think I meant, Jay?
2: Uh, well, obviously, it was Donald <laughs> Trump. I knew it all along. Uh, wh- what do you make of th- I mean, I
0: literally, as I was hearing that cut again, he was taking such a long time to say that he was announcing. I honestly, up to the very point when he said it, still thought, oh, there's no way. He's not going to say yeah, this. Yeah, well,
2: of course, he's been uh, flirting with it since the 80s. Yeah. Um, but look, the entertainment value has just gone through the roof. I mean, did you, did you hear the line when he said, I have a Gucci store that's worth more than Mitt Romney? And apparently that's been fact checked and it's true.
0: Uh, I, the fact checkers, I think I've seen smoke coming from different journalism agencies across the country. The fact checkers just went overtime on his what 40, 45 minute speech, uh, or rambling or however you want to describe it that he finally did for his announcement. And, and speaking of some of the things that he talked about, I thought one of the, uh, some of the best moments of his speech, you know, if you're a candidate, you're running for office, you want to lay out what your best uh, assets are for, uh, for that office. He laid out his assets, but, uh, he didn't mean his political assets
3: i have so many websites i have them all over the place trump tower 1290 avenue of the americas bank of america building in san francisco hey i have lobbyists i have to tell you i have lobbyists that can produce anything for me they're great obama is going to be out playing golf he might even be on one of my courses i would invite him i actually would say i have the best courses in the world so i'd say you know what if you want to see i have one right next to the white house and i have assets $9,240,000,000.
0: I don't know exactly what to make of a presidential candidate that says, by the way, I'm rich.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, in his view, that's an indicator of success. And he calls everybody else a loser. Everybody else who's run for president a loser. I mean, you know, think about the fact that how much we made of Mitt Romney's wealth. And, you know, it's just it's nothing to him. Um, so his wealth is actually pretty amazing to look at, but let's face it. That's not, uh, that doesn't necessarily qualify you to be president of the United States.
0: You know, and we'll get into this a little later with uh, our interview with Julie Mason, but I, I think it'd be fascinating if he got in that first debate, um, not just for kind of the entertainment value, entertainment value of the debate, but honestly, you know, I think it would be very important for Republicans to really see what kind of a person he is on that stage with politicians, and whether or not that is something they're interested in. Well, this
2: this is where too Donald Trump is having a real impact and uh, and and immediate impact. Well, right, is because of this whole debate situation. He could not. He, he's he's probably most likely going to knock one person out who would have gotten into the top tier and could could actually end somebody's career right there. Well, let's
0: see. Uh, Rick Rick Perry possibly. Rick Santorum. Bobby Jindal. Uh, Kasich. Right. Uh, Carly Fiorina. Uh, you know, depending on the poll you're looking at, all out of the top ten. Donald Trump is in the top 10. Uh, But, you know, before we leave Trump here, uh, I wanted to play one more clip. This is actually one of the first things he said uh, while he was talking to the crowd uh, at his announcement.
3: And it's an honor to have everybody here. This is beyond anybody's expectations. There's been no crowd like this. And I can tell you some of the candidates they went in, they didn't know the air conditioner didn't work. They sweated like dogs.
0: Picking a fight with Rick Perry right off the bat.
2: Is that good for Rick Perry or bad for Rick Perry? Well,
0: I'll say this. He's been on – he immediately was on one of the Fox News shows yesterday afternoon uh, and said, well, I'm not going to take the bait on, on Donald Trump. And then I, he took the bait. And then, <laughs> and then he was he was on again this morning, I guess, talking about something that uh, some other candidate had said. So, uh, you know, any, any time that he can get on live TV, I'm sure that Rick Perry thinks it's a good thing. That's probably true. <laughs> So now let's get on to the other big candidate that announced this week and put their speech under the microscope on Stump Interrupted. Former Florida Governor Jeb Bush ended years of speculation and finally launched a presidential campaign. Here he is at this week's announcement.
1: Already, the choice is taking shape. The party now in the White House is planning a no-suspense primary for a no-change election to hold on to power to slog on with the same agenda under another name. That's our opponent's call to action this time around. That's all they've got left. <laughs> and you and I know that America deserves better.
2: Not a bad line, a no suspense primary for a no change election. So kudos to the speechwriter, wherever you are. Of course, you didn't hear the Bush family complaining about a no suspense primary in 2000. Um, You know, it just sort of goes to show you that in politics, you lean into your strengths at the moment, you're running and you let the pundits worry about those little inconsistencies. And whoever wins the GOP nomination will no doubt be using a line similar to that one, assuming of course, that Hillary Clinton is the nominee.
1: There's not a reason in the world why we cannot grow at a rate of 4% a year. And that will be my goal as president. Economic growth that makes a difference for hardworking men and women who don't need a reminding that the economy is more than the stock market. Growth that lifts up the middle class, all the families who haven't had a raise in 15 years. Growth that makes a difference for everyone. It's possible. It can be done.
0: So, you know, if you binge listen to this podcast, uh, then this is going to sound a little bit like a broken record. But here we are again with another candidate making this election about the inequity between Main Street and Wall Street. Historically, candidates have always talked about helping the working class. Uh, You may have heard of the GOP promise of, quote, a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage if Herbert Hoover were elected president. But Bush follows several others in the GOP and Democrats in pointing the finger at corporate America as the culprit in this shrinking of the American middle class. Jay and I remain fascinated with this focus, and I guess it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the White House, no matter who wins.
1: Because I was a reforming governor, not just another member of the club. There's no passing off responsibility when you're a governor. No blending into the legislative crowd or filing an amendment and calling that success. As our whole nation has learned since 2008, executive experience is another term for preparation, and there is no substitute for that. We're not going to clean up the mess in Washington by electing the people who either helped create it or have proven incapable of fixing it.
2: And here we have, of course, the attack line, and it's not only uh, aimed at Hillary Clinton, but also at all those senators who are running for president, like Rand Paul and Ted Cruz, and of course, Bush's own protege, Marco Rubio. That those guys basically are all full of hot air and just another member of the club and an amendment here and a filibuster there does not a president make. The problem is he's far from the only governor or former governor in the race. He's got Scott Walker and Rick Perry and George Pataki and maybe soon Bobby Jindal. And John Kasich making the same argument.
0: I think it's interesting that, you know, we started that cut with uh, uh, he's not part of the club, although that I think that's going to be something that he'll maybe need to overcome is the idea that he's not part of the Bush club, the establishment club, uh, although obviously this comment was pointed at the Senate.
2: Right. I think you're going to get a lot of that because he is sort of saying, you know, I'm I'm a reformer. I'm from outside of Washington and there 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 can't be any more sort of insider than than a Bush. Right.
0: Well, as we end Stump Interrupted every week, uh, we're going to now hit you with a cut. That uh, is why we think that there's a chance he will win this nomination.
1: Campaigns aren't easy, and they're not supposed to be. And I know that there are a lot of good people running for president, quite a few in fact. And not one of us deserves the job by right of resume, party, seniority, family, or family narrative. It's nobody's turn. It's everybody's test. And it's wide open, exactly as a contest for president should be.
2: So look, the Bush name, as we know, has both advantages and disadvantages. But this time, there are so many candidates, so many qualified candidates, that it's not enough to make him some undisputed frontrunner. But Jeb Bush knows that. That's the whole thing. He already knows that, and he's certainly not going to act entitled. And meanwhile, he actually is a formidable guy a two-term former governor with a record. Some will, of course, characterize negatively and as a failure, but it's a real record. He speaks great Spanish. Um, He's got a real mastery of policy details, uh, and I expect him to wage a really vigorous campaign.
0: And he's going to have the money, I think, to stay in as this uh, winnowing process in the Republican Party happens. Uh, You know, he's Clearly strong enough right now to make it into the debates uh, with the new rules being put into place. And, uh, you know, as other people start to fall off, he's got the money to, dare we say it, get to Florida and then see what happens there. Which, you know, wasn't a great idea for some former Republican candidates.
2: Right. And the the more candidates you have in there, the more having a brand name. You you know, you go in and you look at a bunch of bananas, you're like, uh, I only know the Dole brand. You're going to go with that, right?
0: Well, and he's got that brand name. Uh, Also, though, uh, there is a chance that he won't win this. And here's a cut that we picked uh, on why he certainly could lose.
1: Just so that our friends know, the next president of the United States will pass meaningful immigration reform so that that will be solved, not by executive order.
0: Now, this is kind of beating a dead horse uh, as well. Um, And it's in that cut. He was apparently responding to some hecklers that were in the crowd, Uh, you know, but I'm not sure that the Republican base is going to let someone become the nominee unless they take a hard line on immigration. Uh, Bush hasn't said that he's for a pathway to citizenship, but he is for some kind of legal status. And is that enough to keep that part of the GOP primary voter from turning on him? Uh, You know, I don't know. They turned on Rick Perry. They turned on others who were deemed insufficiently conservative on immigration. And uh, again, it, he could be just fine, but I, it's going to be up to the Republican primary voters, which, remember, is a small sliver of the Republican Party itself. It's going to be up to them uh, to decide whether or not that he, he is conservative enough on that and other issues.
2: This is his general election strategy. I mean, he, he needs something like this um, to, I mean, to appeal to moderates, uh, independents in a general election. But you're right. I mean, in a primary, it could be fatal.
0: So that's it for this trip to the stump come back next week and we're going to have I think one of our final stump interrupted announcement speeches. We're going to get around to Mike Huckabee and uh, let you know what we think about what his announcement
2: speech sounded like. You're listening to The Ticket from KUT News and the Texas Tribune. I'm Jay Root. And I'm Ben Philpot. Jay and I are having a blast covering the 2016 campaign so
0: far. But let's face it, when it comes to covering, writing, and talking about every single candidate in a national campaign we're a little new to this. Julie Mason is not. As host of The Press Pool with Julie Mason on the Sirius XM POTUS channel, she gets to talk with the campaign movers and shakers and journalists all the time. So we thought we'd turn the tables today and interview her. Julie, thanks for joining us today. Gentlemen. Uh, You know, this may be an easy question considering the week we've had, but uh, what's been your favorite part of the 2016 campaign so far? (laughs)
4: <laughs> uh, Rick Perry every day all day, but I know you guys want to talk about Donald Trump, and that was just crazy. That was bananas. All right, but here's the best description I've heard about him so far. On Gawker, they called him a melted dreamsicle. <laughs> Isn't that perfect? <laughs> people were trying to outdo themselves yesterday. I called him a Republican squeaky toy, and uh, but Mark Murray of NBC News called him a political streaker. Uh, people were just trying to like define him in new ways. It was it was actually the intellectual. Challenge of the day.
0: Well, you know, I saw a headline actually just as I was walking into the studio here that said, uh, you know, Trump popular on the internet, but suffering in the polls. And I thought, suffering in the polls? He's like in fourth place in some of these polls. What is, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it's very early, but what is suffering? (laughs)
4: Well, yeah, and exactly. Apparently, uh, he is tapping into some sort of zeitgeist of the angry American. People really are angry. They hate Washington. And he's the new protest vote for people who just feel like the candidates are too careful, too rehearsed, not speaking their language. And here comes Donald Trump. But the problem is, it's a joke. And it is. And and OK, maybe we get the candidates we deserve. And Donald Trump represents some dark side of who we are as a nation. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he, he could actually participate in the debates. It just gets worse and worse. He's awful. And and I can't even like with someone like Carly Fiorina, for example, who has no elected uh, service on her resume. She, you know, perhaps a failed leader of, of Hewlett Packard, etc. We all know what her weaknesses are. But I feel like she is sincere about doing something in the public sector. I feel like she is genuinely running for something, whether it's president, vice president, commerce secretary, whatever. But she wants she actually wants to be in the government with Donald Trump. It's just a stunt. And I feel absolutely no journalistic compulsion to to take him seriously. But
2: Julie, is this not when the press pool sort of becomes or mimicking a, a reality show? I mean, we, we've turned from policy is entertaining to just pure entertainment with this, have we not?
4: Well, here's the problem. And this is what I remind my listeners of all the time is this. Here's where we get into the uh, get the dark side of journalism. It's the news business, right? It's We're all in the business of trying to make a little buck here because everyone wants their news for free. Everyone wants it free on the internet. They want to do their Google search and have their bookmarks and not pay a dime for it. Covering news and covering campaigns, as both of you know, is incredibly expensive. Jay, I mean it's a fight every cycle to get out there on the trail and to really cover these guys. People want their news for free and all they're clicking on is Trump stories. So that's what they're going to get more of. If you just keep on clicking on Trump stories and reading about Trump and feeding that beast. Well, we're going to feed it right back to you because journalists, you know, have to create like a money making situation for their news organizations.
2: I think Trump, too, though, is, is sort of um, a representative of what we're facing here with all of these candidates. It is kind of becoming a little bit of a circus. And he's just re- he, he has stepped into the ring and has really turned it into Barnum and Bailey.
4: Yeah, exactly. And this new allegation that he allegedly used paid actors to, su- to pose as supporters at his event just underscores the the, the just stupidity of the entire Trump moment in our politics.
0: So, you know, uh, taking the flip side on this just for a second, doesn't he deserve... Uh, A substantial amount of coverage based on where he currently is in the polls. I mean, he is going to keep uh, people like uh, Bobby Jindal, like Rick Santorum. He's going to keep someone out of that first uh, Fox debate because of where Mm -hmm. he is at the moment. Uh, You know, maybe our coverage will change the minds of people out there, but... He he deserves it, right?
4: Deserve deserve. I don't know deserve based on polls. I mean, I don't is it, who decides that? Um I guess I guess the market kind of decides who deserves what. Um I don't really think he deserves anything other than to be treated like the joke that he is who's trolling our political system. Here's the thing. I love um entertainment and politics and I think our politicians you know my my mantra is always if they can't be honest, they should at least be entertaining, right? And they never fail. On that score. So this, and so this is your very fault funny. then, yeah. No, 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 because I like, I like a side of crazy. I don't like crazy to be the main dish with a little politics on the side. I, Rick Perry works for me. You know, he's funny and even Chris Christie, funny. A lot of these guys have like a funny or quirky side. We're seeing like Jeb Bush slow jamming the news. Like that, that'll do. That's plenty. We can stop there. But Trump takes it to a whole new level where it's just 100% of a show, a ridiculous show. And I don't know what he deserves. I mean, Maybe we have to do some soul searching about how much he actually deserves.
2: Well, let's soul search a little bit on Bernie Sanders, because I, uh, I find uh, it really interesting that Bernie Sanders is drawing these huge crowds. What, what is your explanation of that?
4: I th- I think it's terrific. I think Democrats actually, they don't want Republicans to have all the fun this cycle. And I think it is a lot of protest vote who don't like how Hillary Clinton is handling herself. They don't want the uh, Democratic primary process to be just a pageant. And even if they end up supporting her in the end, they want to lend an ear to Bernie Sanders. And I think Martin O'Malley might be in a position to pick up some of that as well if Bernie Sanders blows up in some way or becomes untenable. I think there is a strong protest voice out there and I just don't think it's just the liberal wing of the party I think it's disaffected Democrats who wish that they could have some better choices or some different choices in the sort of smug slightly shady way that the Clintons are handling the campaign this year I think it's putting off a lot of Democrats I'm not surprised by it at all I felt like it was out there
0: so I guess like maybe let's hit the uh, actual big news of the week. Uh, we've got Jeb Bush finally entering the race. Uh, you know, he was talked about as this front runner who has kind of fallen on hard times now, I guess. I mean, I don't know how hard they are. But, um, <laughs> you know, where where do you kind of see him coming in now that you've got uh, you know, parts of the Republican Party kind of picking sides already with Scott Walker and and Rubio and others?
4: Early, early days, it seems to be shaping up into a three-way race at the top between Rubio, Walker and Bush. Of course, Walker has yet to get into the race. There's one slightly suspect national poll that shows him with a with a tiny bit of a national lead. They're all fighting over 15 percent here, 14 percent there. It seems like Jeb Bush, you know, he really, that, that speech he gave recently in Detroit was so bad. It was so boring. He was awful. It had everyone reevaluating him. He's too rusty. He's not interesting. He lacks the showbiz potential. Nash that you need a little bit of at least to run for president now. But I think he really showed people something with his announcement, showed that he was he was credible, that he was intelligent, that he could talk about the issues without sounding like a dope. And uh, And so I think that people are going to take like maybe a second and third look at him. But the race between he and Rubio shaping up is a fascinating one, especially in Florida, where a couple polls show now show the two of them neck and neck in their sort of uh, presumptive home state. And uh, that's going to be just fascinating to see them. Marco Rubio emphasizing that Yesterday is over. He's the new, young, fresh face and that Bush and and Hillary Clinton are yesterday. It'll be interesting to see what voters go for in, in that Republican matchup, that three-way race. But, you know, that could shake up, shake up, too, any time.
2: Julie, you spent a lot of time covering George W. Bush. What were your thoughts about seeing Barr come out again and <laughs> s- sitting out there on the front row um, and and just having the Bushes back in our in our lives
4: I know I, it was it was fascinating last week uh, this past week past few days and coincidentally um, just as Jeb Bush was making his, his announcement, W gave an interview to Sheldon Adelson's Israeli newspaper in which he actually criticized President Obama, which he has not done, and talked about needing boots on the ground in Iraq and how this this government needs to get with reality and like he would send, he would send more troops in. And that was the first time he'd really done that. He doesn't like to make news in that kind of way. So it was like a whole sort of Bush renaissance resurgent moment. Of course, a lot is being made, made about Jeb, sort of downplaying the last name, go, running on his first name! Exclamation point! Um, people joking like maybe it should be first name question mark, but uh, you know he can't get away from being a Bush, and I think he's trying to have it a little bit of both ways, like uh, the. He without the Bush name, he wouldn't have all the juice, all the money, all the attention. He'd just be like a former governor trying to make a comeback who was like largely forgotten and sort of a little out of touch. But the Bush name gives him all sorts of like credibility and stroke, even as it also gives people a lot of doubts whether they want another Bush presidency. Well, and
0: kind of speaking to that, um, not just the Bush last name, but the fact that he is you know viewed as an establishment Republican in this campaign, are we are, are the is the GOP going to vote for someone that is considered establishment here in texas if you you know talk to a democrat you're considered a liberal so i I don't (laughs) how is that going to play nationally
4: Right. Well, I understand his son, George P., ran as a Tea Party, a movement conservative, which is very interesting because that's not where his father is. That's not where his uncle is or his grandfather. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't the Republican Party in the end always nominate the establishment Republican, even while they have their little flirtation or maybe a little side affair, maybe a little dalliance with with some like fire breather like Ted Cruz. But then they always come home to daddy.
2: Well, and don't you think with the more people who get in, the more of a circus this seems, the more Bush benefits (laughs) from it?
4: Yeah, probably. And especially the more they try to like out shrill each other on Israel and start screaming about immigration. The way he talked about it when I was listening to him, Jay, and I know you were thinking this too, when he was talking about Hispanics and talking about, you know, there are neighbors and then he was speaking in Spanish. I was thinking back to how W picked up 40 something percent of the Hispanic vote, especially in 2004, how much that helped him win that election both times with the Hispanic vote. And I thought... Boy, Jeb Bush is really in a position to repeat that in a way that none of these other Republicans, with their divisive language, with their get these people out of our country kind of rhetoric, he's in a position to, re- to really pick up some votes that the others are just leaving on the table.
2: And, and he can do more than order a beer in Spanish. I mean, he, he can. He, his Spanish is excellent. I mean, it's fluent. And And, you know, George W., it was enough 16 years ago. It was enough. To just, you know, say a few words now. (laughs) Caliente. (laughs) Exactly.
4: En fuego. (laughs) It was funny, you know, but at least he gave it a shot.
2: (laughs) Right. I mean, now, though, it's, you know, the the standard has changed. And Marco Rubio, Mm -hmm. Jeb Bush, both just completely fluent.
4: You know, our uh, our friend and colleague, David Jackson, Jay, was telling me he had checked in with the show, with my show from Miami. He was there for the Jeb Bush announcement. He said several things of note. One, the room was full of Hispanic supporters. There were tons of them there. He said there was also a huge contingent of Spanish language media, which is very significant. And he said that outside there was all sorts of Latino food trucks. So it was a whole theme. But it was it seemed to be a certain amount organized by the Bush campaign, but a certain amount organically occurring. And I think that's something to really keep an eye on.
2: Okay, here's what really puzzled me. The song "Emotion" by the B- the B G song they played. Did you did you hear that? I, I why I was like, wait, what? Because mm-hmm. usually yeah. the songs have at least some kind of either it's either uplifting or there's some kind of political thing. And I was like, what? That was mm-hmm. a weird so- song choice.
4: Well, yeah, it is. Well, you know, um, Jeb Bush talks about you know f- feeling love, and you know he talks in that weird kind of Bush way about his feelings and what's in his heart. So I mean, it's not out. Of, it would be out of touch, like for any. Republican. But these Bush candidates, they always talk in those weird sort of emotional ways. So that was kind of in step. Also, you got to feel kind of bad for these Republicans. No artist wants them using their music. We saw Neil Young smack down Donald Trump over that. And so, you know, and I don't think Jeb Bush is necessarily a country music guy. He doesn't really seem one. So his options are really limited on what kind of music he can use for his campaign.
0: Well, we're going to let you get back to your day job. But just one last quick question. Uh, who who do you want to be that number 10 candidate that makes it in the first debate?
4: <laughs> Man, I don't know. I, I can't even I gosh, I I just I want the 10 to all be credible and good. I feel like the Republican Party really deserves that this year. I don't I don't want it to be a big jokey mess. Number 10. I don't I don't know. I you mean, want Rick I, Perry I, in there, don't you? of course well oh yeah no that goes without saying i want rick perry to be in the top five <laughs> go on rick perry um yeah i do you know i don't know i just I, I i just want the 10 to be real and not jokes you can listen to julie mason uh three
0: o'clock eastern two o'clock central on the potus channel on sirius xm uh with the press pool with julie mason uh julie thanks for taking a thanks little, jules thanks for taking a little bit of time thanks here so much you guys
4: it was really really fun i appreciate it
2: And now, The Straight Ticket. When I watched the Jeb Bush announcement this week, I couldn't help but experience some flashbacks to a different place and definitely a different time. I was reminded of his brother. I thought of W. The physical mannerisms, the joking references to Barbara Bush, she was on the front row, of course. It all felt so familiar. Of course, Jeb did all he could to keep me and everyone else from thinking dynastic thoughts. He said the presidency isn't inherited that it had to be earned, that he took nothing for granted. But even that reminded me of his older brother, who I covered as governor. In fact, he was the first governor I covered as a reporter. Back then, George W. was standing in a long shadow, too, the shadow of his father. And so, as he launched his presidential campaign, he also had to say that he took nothing for granted, that he was his own man, that as president, he would change the culture of Washington. This isn't 1999, though, and no matter how much I might have been reminded of W.'s launch, Jeb is starting at a much different place. Unlike his brother, who entered the race as a front-runner and stayed there, Jeb is facing one of the most crowded fields in a generation. The Bush brand carries more baggage than it did in 2000. Jeb Bush will be hard to beat in fundraising. The infrastructure and network left behind by two former presidents will help him. And unlike his brother, Jeb really does speak fluent Spanish and his grasp of policy is really impressive. But 16 years after George W. waltzed at the inaugural ball, Jeb Bush will have to twist and boogie if he expects to get the nomination. He really will have to earn it.
3: How much alike we are Perhaps we're long-lost brothers We even think the same You know there may be
0: others that's it this week from The Ticket. Remember, we're on iTunes. Just search The Ticket 2016. Subscribe and please give us a review. We're also on SoundCloud, and you can find us on texastribune.org and KUT.org. And if you want to let us know how we're doing or give us a suggestion or ask a question about the 2016 election, please give us a call. We may use your question on a future episode. In fact, we're going to use one next week. So our number is 512 943 2016. Again, 512-943-2016. Make sure you tell us your name when you call.
2: You can also email us at theticket2016 at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at theticket2016. The Ticket is a co-production of KUT News and the Texas Tribune. The show was mixed by Ben and edited by Matt Largy. Our studio engineer is Jake Perlman. And our theme music is by Ben Root. Thanks for listening.